0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, we're going to uh, get into the Word here tonight. And the title is this, Winning Against Your Emotions and Impulses. Winning against your emotions and impulses. And like, well, where is that going? Uh, I'm not, we're not playing Dr. Phil here or nothing. I'm going to get to the Word of God. I'll tell you that right now. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into something that we looked at, uh, during our Sunday night service of this past week. Got kind of a lot of feedback on that and, uh, it seemed to kind of strike a chord with a lot of people. So I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. Um, and it's something that the Lord has, uh, spoke to me about, and I believe that we've got some insights here uh, to help us out, because as a born-again Christian, any, any Christians in the house? Or the real deal, right? Not fakers, right? Okay. So as a Christian, we are not called to live and base our life and our decisions off of what mood we are in that day. That's an extremely unstable way to live your life. And 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 on top of that, well, let's just explain a little bit more. So, as a as a human being, you know, this is review for a lot of us, but we are made in the image of God, according to Genesis one twenty six. So that means we are a three part being, just like God is, right? We got God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a holy Trinity. We're made in his image, and we are spirit, soul, and body. And you see that phrase repeated over and over again, Old Testament to New Testament, spirit, soul, and body. And that is what makes up a human being, all right? Now, the most essential part of who you are is your spirit. Because when you die, your body stays here on earth And your spirit either goes to heaven if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or it goes to hell if you have rejected Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then there is the third part of you, that's your soul, which upon further biblical study would consist of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So, as a Christian, the absolute most wonderful, surefire way to make my decisions and to live my life is... Based upon my heart and my spirit, because if I'm a Christian, my spirit is born again. It is it is made perfect. It it is righteous. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so some people are like, well, I would never call myself righteous. I'll say it all day long because the Bible called me that that's not conceited and arrogant. The Bible says in uh, second Corinthians five that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that's talking about my spirit. Now, my body, I still have to control my body, don't I? I can't, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't expect Jesus to come down like we said Sunday night. I can't expect Jesus to come down and slap the Big Mac out of my hands and say, get on the treadmill, fatty, what's wrong with you? No. I've got to make that decision and say, I'm going to push away and I'm going to control what my body does. Now, I also don't expect Jesus to come in and control all of my emotions. I have to make a decision and an effort through the word of God, with his help, to control my emotions. I am no longer allowed to just fly off the handle when you make me mad and physically attack you. That is frowned upon in general society, and is especially frowned upon in the kingdom of God. I can no longer say, well, I hate him because he said that about me, so now I just flat out hate his guts. I want him to go burn. A Christian would never say something like that. That is somebody that is totally... Uh, Living their life based on their emotions. And here's the thing about emotions. They are a very unstable part of just the average human being. But for some people, especially more than others, all right, they are extremely unstable emotionally. And so somebody that, you know, they find themselves having extreme ups and downs. Listen, God will help us get through that. And I understand that some people are born predispositioned in certain ways. But the fact of the matter is this. God is not going to lower his standards just for you. Now, I read recently how many school districts across the United States are lowering their, their academic standards because they feel it's unfair to hold everybody to the same standard because some kids are poor, some kids are rich, some kids are whatever, and some kids, so we'll just lower the standard for everybody. And however you feel about that, I don't really feel like it's the best thing. I think we should just bring everybody up to a good high level and thrive and succeed, my personal opinion. But, you know, you do you. But at the same time, I'll tell you this much, though. With the word of God and in God's kingdom, he is never going to lower the standard just for you and say, well, I know it's really hard for her to not, you know, have fits of rage and anger. So I'll just make it to where that Bible verse doesn't apply to her anymore. But it does apply to everybody else because it's a struggle for her. I can't apply. God is not going to lower the standard. So what does that mean? I'm going to have to raise my standards. And why is that? Because God's a bully and God's mean? No, God is good. God is just. God is holy. And God knows that if I will raise my life to his standards, I will be blessed in ways that I never even knew possible. I will have an incredible life if I will change to be like him instead of standing there and pouting and demanding that God change to be more like me. And sad as it is, there's a lot of people that feel that way and live their lives that way. And it always ends in disaster. Why would the perfect one have to change to be like the imperfect ones? It doesn't make any sense. He's the standard and he's who we want to be like. Okay? And so, one, I've got a bunch of scriptures tonight. So, I'd already told my media people. I may get to the point where I say, throw it on the screen and everybody else write it down. Because I may not have time to turn there. All right? So... A key verse we looked at the other night, though, is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. And I want you to see that really quick. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. And we're going to cover some ground. I have about 32 minutes to do this thing in. Who thinks we can do it? You've got more confidence than I have. I'm not so sure. (laughs) No, we got this. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. In the New King James Version. It tells us this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does carnal mean? Carnal means natural of the flesh. That's the word carnal. They're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, here it is, here it is, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Capturing and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so we realize that we have thoughts, and they can come from the devil. They have thoughts that come against us that try to exalt themselves and raise themselves to the same level as the thoughts and the word of God in our mind. And so, for instance, you could say, you know, I've got this verse I'm standing on. We'll call it, we'll say Philippians uh, 4.13. Right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So say you've got that verse in you, and you're standing on that, but then the devil comes with some thoughts and says, you know what, that's maybe worked before, but it's not going to work this time. Or, you know, I know the Bible says that, but but really... In your experience, you have to admit that it's been like this. And the devil will start planting other thoughts into your mind and elevating them, trying to, to the same level as the word of God. How sick is that? That's twisted. What do you do with those thoughts? Well, it tells us right here, we have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so when the devil comes and elevates his thoughts and his seeds to the to the level of the word of God in my mind and to the right thoughts, I'm responsible for capturing those thoughts. I have to do it and I have to bring them in to submission to the obedience of Christ. And so when the devil comes with those lies, I say, no. It is written, Satan, that, you know, just like Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what do I do? I answer the devil with the word of God. Well, that sounds a little crazy. Yeah, well, guess what? It works. It works. Fighting with the word of God works. Okay. And so here we go. I want to briefly describe the problem and then prescribe the solution to how you can win emotional difficulties in your life and also physical impulses where you say, well, you know, I'm just I I, I I struggle with this area physically or maybe, you know, I struggle with this area emotionally. I can show you how to win. I can show you how to win. And it's all through the word of God. So let's move quickly. Tonight, all right, Number one consequences of being ruled by your emotions or your body. So we're going to look at several verses here that kind of show you some of the consequences of being ruled by your emotions or your body, all right? Now, a lot of the verses I'm looking at tonight, they'll specifically refer to the temper. Uh, Your temper is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. And so I believe that upon Further study in a lot of these verses that you can group your other negative emotions with your temper, all right? And so, uh, anyway, that, you know, I, I really believe that we can use these synonymously in a lot of these verses specifically. Because I know that having a bad temper can really damage your life, but so can being prone to extreme mood swings and, and being a real downer and all that stuff. That can really... Uh, bring damage to your life also. So I'm going to try to help with that, right? Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. So let's flip over there. Who's ready tonight? Who's glad you came to church still? Who was hoping I was going to talk about something else? All right, thank you. for. Hey, I want honesty. That's what I want. (laughs) I was hoping they were going to talk about blessings tonight. This is blessings. Because when you finally learn how to get free from emotional bondage and baggage and being controlled by your physical impulses hey that's blessing right there brother that is blessing from god so proverbs chapter 25 and we're going to look at verse 28 first of all in the nlt it says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And I don't know, have you ever seen somebody that has no self-control? I mean, they just do whatever they're in the mood to do. They just, I mean, and listen, listen, that is not a good way to live your life. Because sometimes you're in the mood to do bad things. I mean, that's obvious. If you've lived very long at all, sometimes I'm in the mood to do bad things. People annoy me every now and then, right? And, I, you know, I'm a pretty patient guy. takes a lot to get under my skin. But there are people I've discovered that have found the key to annoying me and taking me off. And, and listen, I can't just do what I feel like doing. I've got to control that stuff. And so a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let me read that in the Passion Translation. It takes it a step further. Look at this. Throw that up there. If you live without restraint and are unable to control your temper, or I'm going to say your emotions, you're as helpless as a city with broken down defenses open to attack. Somebody that has no self-control, that can't control their emotions or their Physical impulses, they are a couple key words here, helpless, and this one, open to attack. And here's where we find, you know, listen, I've, I've been doing the pastor thing, actually, Two Sundays from now will be 14 years full time. All right, 14 years, and I feel like I feel like that's been a little bit of time. All right, I've learned a couple of things. Some, a few of you remember when I came here at the age of 20 with a mop top. I looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, and I was the youth pastor for about for a long time. All right, and so I, you know, I have learned a couple of things in those 14 years. Now, one thing that I see continuously is people coming. and, and wanting to talk and saying, you know, I don't know what the word of God promises that he'll protect me. He promises that, you know, no evil will befall me. No, no, no weapon can be formed against me. And I just don't know why none of that happens. Well, here's the key right here. If you're a person with no self-control, you are totally open to attacks. Now, in our Western culture, we don't think much about, you know, a a walled city or a walled nation. That's not something we don't care. You know, it's not something we think about. But listen, in Bible times, if your city didn't have a fortress and a wall around it, you were ripe for the attack. There's always an enemy king, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Philistines. They're like, hey, man, look at these guys. They're not even smart enough to put up a wall around their city. Let's just go in. They would plunder your village, raid everything you had, rob you, and then move on. So when they wrote this proverb and they said, imagine this, somebody with no self-control, that's as stupid as somebody that builds a city and doesn't build a wall around it. The people back then would have been like, oh, my gosh, who would do something like that? And so for us, we've got to realize that we are vulnerable and open to attack from the enemy and from everywhere else if we do not have self-control. Well, it's easy for you to say because I just don't have any. Are you a Christian? If the answer to that is yes, then you do have self-control. Galatians 5 tells us, verse 23, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is literally self-control. So to say that, well, I'm born again, but I don't have self-control. One of those statements is a lie. And the answer is this. You do have it. But it does take a certain amount of you choosing to live according to your spirit and not according to your emotions and to your flesh. Also, Second Timothy one seven tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so don't go around saying dumb things like, I'm just crazy, I'm losing it. I wouldn't say that for all the tea in China. I wouldn't... I, Hopefully that's not offensive to say anymore. That's offensive. I apologize. I I wouldn't take that for all the stimulus checks in the United States of America. I wouldn't say anything like that. That's stupid because the word of God tells me that he has given me power. So I don't say that I'm weak. I'm powerful. Not because of me, but because of him. He's given me power, love, so I can love people. And he has given me a sound mind. I am not crazy. Well, you sure look like it. I, I get that, all right. I get that a lot, but but I'm not. I have a sound mind, according to the Word of God, and the New Living Translation interprets Second Timothy one seven as saying this: power, love, and self control. I have self control, and God gave it to me, all right. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. So, what I'm doing here quickly is identifying the consequences of letting our soul or our emotions, or our body dominate us. That's what we're quickly doing, is identifying the consequences of being ruled by your emotions or by your body. And then we will look at the cure for that here in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to look here at verse 29. First of all, I'm going to read it in the New King James. And sometimes when I'm studying, I'll I'll open up and I, I, I can get... About five or six translations side by side. And I like to compare those. And, uh, you know, the most accurate, honestly, is the, the New Living Translation is an extremely accurate translation. And the, new, and the New King James and the King James are. But I like to use some of these paraphrases also just because they add a little spice to it. But first of all, Proverbs 14, 29 in the New King James, it says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly can you say the word impulsive he who is impulsive exalts folly now there's a footnote in my new king james bible on the word impulsive and it says that that word means short of spirit now as i read that last night i'm like what i've never heard that word in my life it tells us right here that he who is short of spirit exalts folly so if you are short of spirit then you must be really high of your soul and your body. So you must be really if you're not full of the spirit then you're full of something else and it's not full of spirit, it's probably full of um you know emotions and uh, uh you know having a strange thoughts and a bad mind. It's possibly uh being full of being controlled by your body and being addicted to things. Listen. He Who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive or short of spirit exalts folly. Now, the message Bible puts it this way. Throw that up there, Heather. Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Now, now that may not sound like a very friendly or kind verse, but it tells, and I, you know, I just think that's an interesting way of putting it, but a quick tempered or a quick emotional person stockpiles stupidity. Now I can look at that because I have been that person and I can look back at my points in my life and be like, why did I make that decision? That was so stupid. Well, if, if I look back I'm like, wait a minute, I had a whole stockpile of stupidity back then. I did all sorts of things. I mean, come on. I, I, you know, back in the late 90s, I had the whole bleach blonde hair. What was up with that? Nobody told me. I thought it looked good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. So listen, you look back you're like, why did I make those decisions? I had a stockpile of stupidity because I was just controlled. I was quick to my emotions. Quick to temper, quick to whatever. And that's not the way that the Christian lives the life. And so I've got a quote from Benjamin Franklin here. He said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. I put that picture up there in case you wondered what he looked like. That's what he looks like. (laughs) Couldn't find any other pictures of him. So you'll see him right there, right? Scrap that out of my wallet. Actually, I had to borrow it from my kids because I didn't have one. But anyway, so whatever is begun... And anger ends in shame. And I'm just gonna say that I agree with old Ben Franklin right there because I have begun some things in anger. Sometimes people will do things as stupid as, you know what, I'll switch jobs just to show them. They'll and they'll do something stupid like change their whole make a massive life decision. Well I'll just break up with him and go and, and I'll 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 date the person that she absolutely hates just to show her. <laughs> What? Whatever begins in anger ends in shame. That is stupid. Don't make your life decisions based upon whatever emotion and mood you are in at the moment. It always ends really, really bad. And so as a Christian, we're called to a higher standard than that. I heard a story one time. There's a famous preacher. In the early 1900s, named Billy Sunday, very famous evangelist. And one time this lady came up to him and said, I don't see what the big deal is about losing control of my temper and my emotions. She's like, I just blow up, get it all out, then I personally feel better. And the the good reverend said, you know what? That's exactly what a shotgun does. It just blows up and gets it all out. But it leaves a really wide path of destruction afterwards. Now sometimes we may feel like, yeah, well, I just, that's how I handle my emotions. I just blow it all up and get it all out there, man. And, and, and and I feel better. Yeah, but you shredded everybody else around you. That's dangerous. That's a dangerous way to live our lives. And so, um, man, I'm, I'm running low on time here. All right. Quickly look at this verse, Colossians 3, 6, and 7. Put that on the screen. Colossians 3 verses uh, six through seven. In fact, I think I'm starting at verse five. It says, so put to death, the sinful earthly things lur- lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater. And you know, let's just very quickly just look at that for a second. Greed definitely has to do with your emotions, but it also has to do with your, your physical, uh, you know, your natural impulses, even as a Christian, there's some greedy Christians, and all they want is more and more. I've got, you know, listen. If it drives you nuts that somebody else has a better car than you, that is screwed up. That's messed up. If, if it just, if you, if it just eats you up, burns you up, that somebody else has better toys and better off-roading desert things than you have, and, and better how? Listen, if that be that this this greed. It becomes a form of idolatry, and you will begin to do what it takes to get the things that you want instead of pursuing God. You'll begin to pursue things and money and toys and possessions instead of pursuing God, and that becomes idolatry. I'm just going to leave that right there. You can just marinate on that one for a couple of days. Get back to me on that, but listen. That can become idolatry, and that is a dangerous thing. It says that makes you worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Well, that doesn't sound very pleasant. The anger of God is coming. I don't like to hear about that. I'm a New Testament Christian. The anger of God is still a real thing. Now, look here. I'm going to put this in the Message Bible, and then I'm going to really get into the cure for all of this. The Message Bible puts it this way. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it. I'm going to say that one more time because I think we just need to say that doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God whenever we live, to just please and satisfy and feed our cravings and emotions and moods, that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. And it's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger, is what verse 7 says there in the message. So, out of all that, I I realize that the first few minutes here were not positive and uplifting and reaffirming and telling you that you're good enough, you're smart enough, And doggone it, people like you. And they do. People do like you. But listen right now. Listen to me. We've identified that it's a it brings the curse upon our life to not live according to our spirit. So, let's take the next few minutes and I'm going to show you from the Bible how to be controlled by your spirit and not by your body or your soul. And I promise you, if you will do the things that the Bible says to do you will begin to see victory. You, you would really promise that. I would promise it. I will promise it. I would stake everything I own upon it. If you'll do things God's way, you will see victory every single time. Why? Because we always triumph in Christ Jesus. So, the cure, let's look at number two, the cure. The biggest thing I can say is this. The cure for the soul and the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Galatians 516. Please turn to Galatians 516. Now, growing up, well, in high school, I went to this, I went to a Christian school. Went to this, really, you know, fundamental Baptist school. And one thing that they made us do is we had to memorize entire chapters of the Bible. And at the time, I'm like, wow. I, you know, I just I didn't really want to memorize entire chapters of the Bible because, believe it or not, that can be a little bit hard to, you know, here's these 40 verses. Go memorize these and quote them exactly to me, you know, and like, okay, so we had to do that stuff. But Galatians five. I'm so glad that we learned this. Galatians five is a chapter that we had to memorize. And verse 16, I remember it so vividly. My Bible teacher, the pastor of that Baptist church, drilling this verse into our young minds every morning for a whole semester. Galatians five sixteen New King James. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, some people I know that's going straight over your head. You have no idea what I just said. You know, fine. But there is a certain percentage of you that that is sinking in and that did just click with you. And I want to talk especially to that group of people right now. If you walk in the spirit, you will not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some people are like, well, I just don't know how to overcome this thing. I just don't know how to to get stable. I just don't know how to deal with this. Listen to me. If you will walk, what does walk mean? If you will live in the spirit, You shall not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. Now, I can tell you this much. Listen. Any time that I am absolutely immersed and living my life according to the word of God and doing things his way, I'm extremely strong. And it's not because of me. It's because of God. And I don't give in to the lust of the flesh. The devil can tempt me to eat an extra Twinkie and I say, no. Get that out of here. The devil can tempt me to do other stupid things, to blow up on somebody, to whatever. And if I'm walking in the Word of God, the devil can tempt me with depression. It's going to be one of those days, man. Yeah, it is. It is going to be one of those days, one of those awesome days, because I'm a child of God, brother. I'm a son of God, man. Every day is a winner for me. Every day. Every day is a winner for me because I am a son of God Almighty. Well, you know, I mean, I've been adopted into the family. Listen, then the devil tries to come. And yeah, he tries to come and bring depression or or the, you know, the blues or the downs or the blahs. And he tries to knock on my door. But I answer with the word of God. And if I am walking in the spirit, I don't get into that junk ever. If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and you're not going to fulfill the lust and the temptations of the soul or the emotions either. So how, you know, it's one thing for a preacher to say, just walk in the Spirit. But how do you walk in the Spirit? Well, there's several things I could say about this, but for the sake of my remaining 11 minutes, I will narrow it down to three, okay? How do you walk in the Spirit? Number one, the Word, and in a minute I'm going to give you several verses on that. Number two, a great way is worship, and I'll give you some verses on that. And number three is praying in the Spirit. And I'm not afraid to say it. I am talking about speaking in tongues, because I believe in that, and I do that every day. And I realize that some people don't like that, but guess what? It has really changed my life. (laughs) And it's in the Bible, and I can flat out prove it. But anyway, so how do you walk in the Spirit? These are just three ways, and you can definitely write in your notes, There are several other great ways, but three ways we'll talk about the Word, all right? So let's look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. And Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the entire Bible. So it's kind of an interesting little uh, alleyway of Scripture right here. But Psalm 119... And we're going to look at verse 25. Now I'm going to look at three verses here. Write them down or try to follow along with me. Psalm 119, verse 25, talking about uh, this is King David wrote this. And 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 you got to understand, if as you study the Psalms, David was an emotional guy. He, you know, and um, he was a musician. And musicians oftentimes tend to be, you know, real like, hey, you know, like my brother for instance, Josh. He's all over the place. You can't ever predict this guy. He's everywhere. So. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You guys guys think we're actually mean to each other. We love each other. But anyway, but a lot of times, you know, David was one of those guys. He'd be, he'd be, he was just, he was very passionate about whatever it was that he did. And as you study the Psalms, sometimes you read some of them and you're like, man, he must have really been having a bad day. Because he'd be like, I weep before you, Lord. I pour it all out. And, and then in and other times, he's like super up in the air. Like, man, I could take a whole army just by myself right now. And David was very passionate. But Psalm 119 is a great example of this. Psalm 119 and verse 25. He says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. Right there. Boom. There it is. Revive me. By your word. So how can I overcome some emotions? How can I overcome being down? How can I overcome the, the, the attack coming against me? David, right here, he said, here's the problem. I'm lying in the dust right now. I feel so down. But God, revive me by your word. And I will tell you right now that God will revive you and lift you up through his word. Guarantee it. You, you have to get a proper appreciation and love for the Word of God. Look at this verse 28, verse 28. He says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me, how? By giving me a whole bunch of money, God, that would just fix everything. No. Encourage me by your, say it with me, Word. Encourage me by your Word. And so, if you are somebody that you feel like, I'm I i I'm out of balance, man. I, I don't feel like my spirit is really the part of me that's most in control. David got a hold of this, and he let the word of God revive him and encourage him. Now we're going to go all the way to verse 143. Because the entire chapter of Psalm 119 is all about how much David loves the word of God. He calls it your commands, your law, your decrees, your regulations, your word. He calls it all these synonymous things. But the, he wrote this entire long chapter about how much he loved God's word. So Psalm 119, verse 143, he said, As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. The word commands right there is absolutely the word of God. Is there anybody that's ever felt like pressure and stress were bearing down on you? I've had that, man. I've had where it felt like I was in a pressure cooker and everything was coming at me. But David had the answer. I find joy in your commands. And I'm, I have lived my life without the joy of the Lord. And now I live my life with the joy of the Lord. And it is a lot better. I love having the joy of the Lord. Why? Because it's not an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Joy isn't an emotion. It doesn't change. My joy level doesn't change based upon how you treat me. My happiness does. You're mean to me, man. I'm not happy anymore. They don't like me. But my joy level has nothing to do with how you treat me, has nothing to do with how much money I've got in the bank, has nothing to do with my surroundings. I can have joy all the time because it's a spiritual attribute. And if I walk in the spirit, I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh and I don't give in to impulses and emotions. All right. Uh, and I'll just I'll put this out there. I, I I really do love the Bible, and the, the the scariest, most down part of my entire life that I can remember, I won't go into details, but in the year 2000, uh, Josh and I, our, my parents' church, our, our music minister, our associate pastor, he was, I mean, one of the most important figures in our entire life. He was around 40 years old, and he unexpectedly died. He, he Tragically fell off of a a building and and died, and none of us saw it coming. And I have never felt that level of anxiety and fear, and he had five kids he left behind. It was just the lowest. I didn't know what to do. I was 15 years old. I mean, I, I would read the Bible. I knew the only thing that I can cling to to get me through this is my Bible. Because no one's got any answers, nobody's got, and I took it so serious at 15 years old, I would take that Bible and I would hold it under my arm when I laid down to go to bed at night. Like, what what good did that do, man? I don't know. But listen, I read the Bible all day, I couldn't read it while I was sleeping, but I took that Bible and I just clung it to my chest all night long and said, man, God, I'm just, this is the only thing I knew to show, know to do to show that I'm clinging to you. And listen, The Bible and the Word of God have always been there. It has revived me, encouraged me, strengthened me, brought me joy, and brought me through every low-down, pressure-stress-bearing moment. The Word of God. And if you don't take it seriously, then listen. You will never overcome the things that come against you. The second thing I said regarding walking in the Spirit is worship. Another psalm here is Psalm 42, verse 11. Write that down. Psalm 42, verse 11. David said this. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God. So once again, David lays the problem out there. I'm discouraged. I'm sad right now. My heart is sad. I'll put my hope in God. I will... Praise him again. And listen, if you are having a difficult time emotionally, whether it's with anger or sadness or depression, you better learn to sing praises to God, even when you don't feel like it. And God will turn your situation around. Absolute truth. I'm not talking about singing some stupid song that you heard. I'm talking about. A good godly Bible song, okay? And in my life, man, if I feel that depression and that anxiety and stress coming in, first of all I go to the Word and then I will sing to myself. And I don't, I'm not singing for anybody else, I'm singing for myself. And I usually revert to Bible Christian songs from my childhood, that's just me. But I'll start singing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Some of you got that, alright, very good. But listen, man, I can't help but feel really good when I sing praise songs to God. And that depression, I crack through that. All right. And so uh, that was Psalm 42, verse 11. And the last thing that I brought up as far as uh, walking in the spirit is number three, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. And so the main point of everything that I'm talking about tonight is this overcoming emotions, and impulses. This is a large topic, you know, that it's hard to cover all in one night. But I'm telling you right now, the main thing I'm telling you is this. If you will walk or live your life according to your spirit, you'll overcome these things. Well, how do I do that? Through the Word of God, through worshiping God. Coming to church is a fantastic thing to add to that list because we really worship God here. And by praying in the Spirit, Ephesians 6:18 it tells us this. Now the uh, the end of Ephesians chapter six, it, it, it lists the armor of God regarding doing spiritual warfare. Okay, we got the you know the helmet of salvation, the breastplate. It gives us all this body armor for spiritual warfare. And then v- verse 17 tells us that we've got a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it says, you know, you've got all these other things. To protect you from the attacks of the enemy, then you've got a sword to fight the devil. And that sword is literally the Bible. And then verse 18 it adds on to it, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. But I want to highlight that, pray in the spirit. Now, uh, man, gosh, I'm out of time and I just can't even begin to fully do justice to this praying in the spirit is praying in other tongues all right we got that all over the book of acts all over first corinthians in fact the apostle paul put it this way he said hey i pray in tongues more than y'all and if you got somebody back then to say y'all like a texan you were doing pretty good come on somebody right hey? yeah yeah all right and so he literally said man i pray in tongues more than y'all first corinthians 14 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened Personally, It's on the screen. You can write it down. A person who speaks in... Well, what good does it do? A person who speaks in tongues and prays in the Spirit... Hey, they're strengthened personally. That's one great way to build yourself up and strengthen yourself. Well, I'd believe it if I had two verses that said that. Well, I've got another one for you. How about Jude verse 20? That was my theme verse personally for 2015. Jude verse 20, New King James. It says, But you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy... You build yourself up when you pray in the Holy Spirit. And so, in my life, whenever depression or emotions of anger or sadness or doom and gloom, if ever my flesh is trying to say, hey, it's okay, you can eat 6,000 calories a day and that's going to be all right. That's not good for you, brother. That is not good. You just shove that thing away. You say no. Listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whenever the devil tries to come and get me to be overcome by my emotions or my physical impulses... I can overcome it if I walk in the Spirit. And how do I walk in the Spirit? Hey, I do it by the Word of God, by worshiping God, and by praying in the Spirit. And I could add a whole bunch of things to that, such as going to church, such as uh, obeying God's Word and doing what He tells me to do, such as surrounding myself with biblical, godly friends. Some of you may need to look into some new friends because the current ones are bringing destruction to your life. Anyway, you know, that's, you know if that's you, just praise God and let's speak to you. But listen... I'm trying to help you overcome tonight because, believe it or not, I actually care about you and I care about everybody here. I want Christians to be victorious. I see bad things happening in this world. And we're not like everybody else. Well, everybody's going to go through and everybody. No, they don't. No, the Bible says, though a thousand fall in my left hand and ten thousand in my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. I am not like everybody else. I'm not, and neither are you if you're a Christian, and on Sunday I'm going to break this down more, but I've got a covenant with God that guarantees me certain rights and privileges that not everybody else has, so long as I keep my end of the deal, and so listen, don't fall into the lie, well, no, you're just, we've all got to go through it, and everybody, you don't have to deal with all the same junk that the rest of the world has to deal with, yes, There are troubles. Yes, there are struggles that come against you, but it does not have to be like it is for everybody else. You're better than that because you're a child of God and not everybody is. All right. So I want you to overcome. I want you to have an incredible, awesome life. And it is possible here on this earth. You don't have to wait for heaven, though that will be great. You can have a great life right here on earth if you'll do things God's way. So I hope tonight, as we've sped through this whole thing, that you learn some things out of it. You can't overcome this thing. You can, but you're going to have to do it his way. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.